He gave it all. So why do we wait on giving him our, our all? Maybe it's a question we need to really think about over the next uh, few weeks, months, year. Got it? Am I good? Can everybody hear me? Okay, good. Uh, today, we'll start really digging into this Do It Today series. And the first thing I want to do is I want to say that we, we need to recognize that life is a puzzle. Um, and it's time to figure it out. Right? It might maybe easier said than done, but we can start doing that together today. Let me tell you how this all kind of came about. Uh, let's start with one of these right here. Anybody ever seen these? Yeah, everyone's seen a Rubik's Cube. Well, in January or so, I had, uh, into December probably, I had bought a couple of these for the boys. And I'd always wanted to learn how to do it, and I could work on it for hours and just about get two colors right. And I knew that there was videos online and whatnot. And I thought, I'll do it one day. Someday I'll get to this. And whenever I said that, and I, I was trying to uh, be silly with my father-in-law, play, play a prank on him, I do it all the time, uh, you know, cheat, basically, and uh, act like I'd done it. And I thought, you know what, why am I waiting? I know that I could probably learn how to do this. I at least try. And I thought, why not do it today? And I looked at this thing and I thought, man, what an example, really. What a mess this is. And there's no reason to cheat on it. Who am I fooling? And it was time to solve it. And I'll let you know if I was successful with that later on. But that Rubik's Cube there, we've all seen it. In fact, uh, there's been 350 million Rubik's Cubes sold around the world. Uh, their stats are on rubikscube.com. Uh, one in seven people alive today have seen or touched or played with a Rubik's Cube. Now think about that. One in seven people that are alive today. And it's nowhere near as popular as it was back in the 80s. It was the big thing. Uh, but you know, maybe uh, it wouldn't have been if we know who created it. Uh, maybe not in the 80s. Uh, but the thing is, we look at this again, and we look at it, we might think, this is impossible. Just like life, maybe. Without instructions, this is almost impossible. Well, luckily, we have some instructions. Uh, it was created by a man named Erno Rubik. Um, he was a professor of architecture. And this picture is the next slide, I believe. Uh, he was a professor of architecture at Budapest, Hungary. And he created this to show, and I think it was a much more generic version, obviously, uh, but to, to show spatial relationships to these architecture guys. And eventually got sold uh, as a toy, and you know, the rest is history. But as he looked at it, he also realized what a stark contrast to the human condition that this Rubik's Cube could be. It's simple, yet it's complex. It's stable, yet it's dynamic. It represents order and chaos. It can be infuriating, but it can also be engaging. Yeah, maybe that is a little bit of the human condition. But here's the one thing I want to make sure we all know. And... Make no mistake about it, it can be done. There is a solution to this Rubik's Cube. There is a solution to the puzzle that we call life. So just like life, 
today. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out this puzzle. Today, let's be determined to find out what we need to do to solve this riddle that we call life. Well, first step, I think, is we have to say, uh, look at this cube, and we're saying, man, what a mess that thing is. This cube is such a mess. And maybe you're looking at it, and you're thinking, uh, man, that's, that, that is a messed up Rubik's Cube for sure. And you want to say that represents my life. Well, my life is way more messed up than that. Maybe you think it's this. Maybe your life feels like it's that messed up. And you might even be looking at that and thinking, even that's too simple. And maybe you have it even more messed up like this. But really, the list could go on and on and on and on and on with how messy we really at least think that we are. And if we say we want to solve this, we know what we need to do. We know we know we need to put the colors on one side and the other colors, but it's just a matter of learning how to do it. Easier said than done, perhaps. And when we look at this, it might even seem impossible. So your life, with the problems that you have right now, with the issues in your life, with where your faith's at, does it seem impossible to take the next step Let's take the first step first. And one step at a time, first of all, let's find out who really is a mess. Who's messy in your life? Now, I'm not talking about who doesn't do the dishes and leaves their clothes laying around. Uh, guilty, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just in your life alone, with your faith, with your Christian walk. And there's so many examples of Scripture that we could use. I could just make a list right now. Zacchaeus, Matthew, every person ever mentioned in the Bible, save one. But the fact is, none are too messy for Jesus. I want you to check out the book Messy Grace by Caleb Kaltenbach. He's a preacher out in Southern California, real good guy. And his, his book, Messy Grace, goes over a lot of this material. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the book says. I just wanted to recommend it. But the fact is, like Caleb says, like the scripture says, no one is too messed up for Jesus. Maybe some of you just might have thought, well, what about this or that person or this example? Well, they weren't. They weren't too messy for Jesus. Let's use this one specific example today. How about the woman caught in adultery versus those teachers in the law, those Pharisees that brought her and threw her at the feet of Jesus? Now, remember that story? What, what an awkward situation it is for our Lord who's sitting there uh, teaching these people and these, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law decide they're going to they're put him in this trap. They're going to bring this woman. They're going to throw him at his feet. The law commands that we stone her. And what's Jesus going to do? He's going to handle the situation. And we'll talk about that as we go along today. But who's messy? Who's messy? Is it, is it these Pharisees? Is it these teachers of the law? These hypocrites? Is it this woman caught in adultery? Who's messy? Well, the fact is, all of them are. All of them were. They all had sin in their lives. Maybe their sin was different. Maybe it wasn't. But it was definitely sinful, to say the least. Now, here's the good news for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were, what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners. Now, notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say while we are, not when we had figured it out. It doesn't, it's not when we started believing. 
Not when our actions and our attitude and our behavior started matching our beliefs. It wasn't when we started attending church or attending Wednesday night or Sunday night or Sunday school. It wasn't when we started thinking we were morally and ethically sound. It wasn't when we started smelling good and started uh, cleaning up a little bit better. It wasn't when we started listening to Christian music or attending conventions. It wasn't when we started getting things straight and in order in our lives. No, that is not what it says. It says that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And folks, that includes everyone. And that includes the group I just said, those that think they've got it figured out, those that uh, have just started believing and that just maybe are thinking they're behaving a little bit better, that smell good, or that listen to Christian music or attend conventions or just attend church. The fact is we're all still sinners. And Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us today and yesterday and forever. And that's something I believe that we've really got to take advantage of. But first, we have to be able to to really admit. Let's look at Mark 2.17. Mark 2.17. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Now, think about that for a second. you, You can do a whole sermon just on that verse alone right there, you know? Like sometimes whenever you're sick, you got to go to the doctor. Sam, I'm glad you're here today, buddy. Really, really glad you are. I've been praying for you. I've been so worried about you and so many others, right? Uh, you need a doctor, no doubt about it. But today, nowadays, we, do, we go for our checkups and stuff anyways, don't we? Even when we're not sick, but we've got to try to prevent that. But think about the Lord. He came for those not who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And when we know we are sinners, we've got to take the appropriate actions continuously, continuously, even going in for checkups at least once a week to be with our church family to learn about God. So who are we going to be here? Are we going to be those who think they're righteous? Are we going to be those that know that we are sinners? Step one, step one to figuring it out, you got to admit it. Who's a mess? Admit it. You're messy. You're sinful. You're the one that needs the Lord. We all are, every single one of us. And if we can't admit it, Number one step, if we can't admit it, man, are we really heading down the right path? Do you really think that you need the Lord if you can't admit that you need him, that you're a mess? Now, let's, let's look at that. Number one, we're going to admit it. So we're admitting it. Today, we know that we're lost without him. So let's talk about this Rubik's Cube again now, because the fact is we can't cheat this thing. There's no cheating, right? You can't, you can't just pick this up and, and cheat it. Well, maybe you're saying, oh, wait a minute. And I bet this is some of you probably thought, Wayne, you're probably one of them. Probably thought this right away. I bet I could fix that thing if I take it apart. You might be able to get away with that. And the fact is, you, I used to know how to do it. You pop this little piece off. You unscrew it. The whole thing falls apart. You put it back together the right way. And you screw the little screw back in and pop the cap back on. Boom, it's done, right? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of us have done that. You might be able to get away with it, but the fact is that little centerpiece will never fit on there just right again. And has anybody ever tried to paint it? Uh, maybe that one might be a little bit more obvious, but I know one of you thought of this, peeling off the stickers. Huh? Yep. And you, if you tried that, you could never get them back on just right. If you were really, really tedious, maybe. What about our lives? And the fact is, even with this, who are you fooling? Eh, maybe you're playing a joke or whatever. I, look. 
But, but who are you really fooling? Because if you've convinced yourself that you can accomplish and you know, solve this puzzle because you've cheated it, who are you fooling? Are you fooling somebody else or are you fooling yourself? Maybe when we think about that and we think about the Rubik's Cube, maybe we should consider that with our lives. Who are you fooling? If you think you're righteous without the Lord, who are you fooling? Others? Yourself? Maybe. I can tell you you're not fooling God. There is no fooling God when it comes to this. Matthew 6, 2 and 5, and Luke 18, 9 through 14. A couple, couple of verses I'm going to look into right now. 6, 2 and 5 is going to be talking about the hypocrites that came and, and, and prayed in the streets and made a big ordeal. Was it about talking to God or was it about being seen as righteous among mankind? Or the hypocrites that came and blew their trumpets because they were going to give to the poor. And the Lord said the same thing about both those groups. They'd already lost their reward. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Let me read that one. It says this. Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This tax collector, this Pharisee, what a great example. This tax collector asking for mercy. This Pharisee saying, help me not to be like that. Help me to continue to be righteous like I already am. This, this tax collector saying, I admit it, I'm a sinner. Help me, Lord. Help me. I remember Jesus' response to that woman who had been caught in adultery and had been thrown at his feet. Remember, remember his reaction that day as he sat there uh, on the ground uh, drawing in the dust? Remember that? What did he say? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. He picked up that stone and he handed it out and said, Who? Who? Who of you wants to do it? It would have been a rock, not a little cube. But he went, Who? You can't fool God. Jesus is God. These men that came there that day, they all had sin in their lives too. They were all messy. This woman who'd been caught in adultery, she could admit it at this point. I've messed up. These guys are now being forced to admit it. Because what did they have to do right then and there? They had to be able to admit that they too were a mess. Because one by one, Scripture says, from the oldest to the youngest, they left. Think about how Jesus handled this situation. His response really summarizes his entire ministry. John 1, 14 and 17 say that Jesus came full of truth and grace. That's how he responded, with truth and grace. You cannot cheat the truth. You cannot cheat grace. See, the fact is, this is when we've got to be able to acknowledge that we know that Jesus is the way. 
There's no way around it. There's no other way except through him. So we have to accept that we're sinners. And we have to acknowledge that he's the way. The Lord said, you know the way to his disciples. Remember that? He said, you know the way. And they were like, what are you talking about? We don't know the way. But they did. They just didn't realize it. Folks, there's no cheating it. We've got to do it his way. So now let's solve it. We've been able to admit that this thing's a mess. We've been able to uh, recognize that there is a way to do it. Let's solve it. Let me ask you, can any of you solve this Rubik's Cube? Anybody? Someone said Randy Brown could do it. Is that true? Yeah? Now, how many of you just said, I can't do it because I set you up? Yes, you can. I promise you, you can. There's instructions online. You just look them up. You'll learn how to do it. You can. It's doable. It's doable. And if maybe you don't want to read it, look it up on YouTube. These guys will go through step by step how exactly you need to do this. There is a little bit of a trick to this puzzle. You might not have realized it because you didn't read the instructions. In fact, back in the 80s, the instructions came with it. So you knew exactly how to do it. And what do we often do with those? Toss them away. And we've got to figure it out ourselves. Good luck. And just like in life, we've got to follow the instructions. And what's our instructions? Of course, the Word of God. The Bible. And you can find that Bible just like the instructions to this Rubik's Cube. You can find them online. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. Uh, you can find them on your phone. And you can also use your hard copy, which is what I recommend. And if any of you don't have a hard copy, please see me. I'm going to get you one so you can read God's Word and have it on hand. Follow these instructions. And what does the Scripture say about itself? What does it say about the Word of God? It says that it's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It's going to light the way for you, show you the direction. It's going to say that the Word is the truth. And that truth, what's it going to do? It's going to set you free. It's going to say that the Word of God is like a sharp double-edged sword. And maybe you're thinking, oh, what, that's my weapon. No, it's because it cuts you to the heart and makes you convicted and, and realize that you need the Lord as well. We've got to follow life's instructions. And when we really look at the instructions for this little cube here, you're going to learn a word called algorithm. I didn't know what it meant. I had my buddy David Klein told me about it six years ago whenever he figured out how to do this. But the word algorithm comes to mind when I think about following life's instructions. Algorithm means a step-by-step -step procedure for solving problems or accomplishing something that frequently involves repetition. What about our faith algorithm? Here's what I've got it, and you can probably change this a million ways. We've got to talk about faith, love, and obey. I think that's a really good algorithm. We've got to believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that we need him. We've got to have that faith. The scripture says that if you uh, believe, you're going you're gonna to be saved, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Scripture also says that we've got to love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbors. Love God. First two commandments, right? We've got to love. Scripture also says that if you love him, him, you will obey his commandments. Those are the steps that we have to continue to follow every single day of our lives. And when we obey, when we follow the way of Christ, not our own way, but his way, 
That's when we really start to, to realize what we need to do. What did he say to the woman who had been caught in the adultery? These guys, they all left one by one, slowly oldest from youngest. What did he do? He bent down. He said, woman, did no one condemn you? Then neither do I. Now think about what he said before. If you are without sin, you can cast the first stone. There was only one there that could. There was only one there that day that could. And he said instead, neither do I condemn you. What else did he say after that? Now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. That's what he said. So what did he do? He handled it with truth and with grace. He was full of truth and grace, and this is how he handled his things. He called it the truth. He called it sin. What the woman that had been caught in adultery had done was wrong. It was sinful. He didn't say, hey, you're the good guy and you're the bad guys. He said, you're all messy. You're all full of sin. Now don't do this anymore. Repent. It's a big part of our faith, isn't it? And he also used grace. He showed it. Mercy. Just like that tax collector. What did he ask for that day? He was praying, show me mercy, Lord. Show me mercy. This is how the Lord handles stuff. So let me ask you, are you calling your sin sin? Or are you justifying it? Are you asking the Lord for mercy? You just tell you this much. Now that we've accepted that we're sinners, we've acknowledged that he's the way, it's time for us to accept that Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. He is the algorithm. He is the way. We must follow him and what he has taught us. We must handle ourselves with truth and with grace. We must have mercy and we must be truthful to ourselves. So as we wrap this up today, I'm going to say this. Keep at it. See, the thing is, once you learn this Rubik's Cube, and once you get it straightened out, and it starts to look more oh, like this, this one, the solved one, right? You've got to continue to do it, or you'll forget. You can follow the instructions. You can go home today, and you can take a messed up Rubik's Cube, and you can follow those instructions step by step, and at the end, you probably have it looking like this. But if you don't do it again and then again and again and again, you're going to forget how it was done. You'll have to go back and look at the video again, so on and so forth. And with our lives, with our faith, with this puzzle called life, you've got to keep at it. Stay sharp in your faith. So what are we going to do? We're going to follow him, and we are going to do it today. But we can't just do it today. We're going to do it every day. Every day. You're not too messy. You're not too sinful. You know that he is the way. You know that the answer is him. Remember the story of the leper. This is where we're going to close today. The story of the leper. Jesus was coming off a mountain. He'd been teaching, and a, and a leper was outside this town. And a leper, I mean, we're talking about the worst, the worst, the most unclean, according to the Jews. A, a, a flesh-eating bacterial nastiness. Don't go near these people because you might catch it and you will also be deemed unclean. And this, this leper comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, I know you can heal me if you're willing. If you're willing. That's what we need to do, I think. I think we need to be able to say, Lord, I know 
that you can save me. I know that you're the answer if you're willing. But what did Christ say to that leper that day? And what does he say to you today? He said, I am willing. He wants to be your answer. He is willing. Maybe the real question is, when it comes to accepting our mess, acknowledging our way, his way, and accepting Jesus as our Lord, who's more than willing, the question maybe should be, are you? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you will be with us. Help us to follow this algorithm, these instructions that you have given us. Help us to, to live our lives full of, uh, of truth and grace, just like your son did. Help us to follow his way, to be obedient to what he's taught us. Lord, we ask that you will strengthen us every day. Lord, this life puzzle that we face each and every day, we know the answer. We know the answer is your son. Help us to follow that. Lord, we thank you so very much for giving us that solution. Lord, we ask that you will help us to be bold and to never give up and never to say we can't, but instead to try our absolute hardest to serve you each and every day of our lives. Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here today who, who might be thinking about making that decision, but taking that first step to accepting you, Lord, I ask that right now you give them the courage to step down this aisle, to give their life to you. And for those of us that have, Lord, I ask today that you will help us to, to remember that we have responsibilities that we need to do today. That there are folks in our own lives who don't know you, who we must set the example for, and we must boldly tell about you. Lord, we love you so very much. Thank you for this opportunity. And in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all please